Hey everyone, it's Andy and Phil. We're your co-hosts for the Burning Creative Podcast. For those of you who don't know us, we're the partners over at Muddy Shutter Media and we're excited to have you listening to our show. This is a podcast about creativity, inspiration, and passion in the creative community. This show is sponsored and supported by MSM and therefore, no ads, all talk. We hope you enjoy the content and don't forget to subscribe, like, and follow our Instagram page at Burning Creative Podcast. Jumping right in, let's introduce today's guest. All right. So today we have Sam Sohalt on the podcast. Sam, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I know you're a, a busy guy and you're kind of roaming around everywhere on the bus. And like you said before, you're heading to Tennessee, I think, next week, is it? Yep. Take off Wednesday, doing a BHA pint night on Wednesday night, and then I'll spend the next four days continuing on to Tennessee. Awesome, man. So you know, um, with the podcast, some people might not be, you know, might not know you from from the bus or from your work or whatever. This this podcast is meant to, you know, kind of reach a wide audience. So for someone that has never looked at your work or doesn't know about the bus, can you kind of tell them more about yourself? Sure. Yeah. I've been a professional photographer in the kind of the hunting lifestyle space since 2013. And yeah, I did pretty much, well, I still do just freelance work, video and photography. And then I, uh, in 2017, I turned a old school bus into my rolling hunting shack. And then I've been traveling for the last two years on a big public land advocacy tour, basically, and creating content for that, as well as talking about public lands and raising dollars for conservation. Yeah. So photographer slash conservationist, I guess. (laughs) And uh, part-time bus driver. (laughs) <laughs> part-time bus driver. <laughs> yeah. So what was kind of going through your head when you you were building this bus or, or when you saw the bus, did you really have a kind of like a light bulb moment where you're like, boom, like this is what I'm going to do? Or were you just kind of rolling with the flow or, you know, rolling with the punches? What, what was kind of going through your brain then? Yeah, it kind of evolved. So the bus idea happened way before I bought it. And mm-hmm. it was actually my brother and I had been talking about getting a bus originally was using it as like a mobile bow shop or uh, some sort of a marketing tool for his archery store out in Fort Collins, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And then obviously we never bought a bus. Um, (laughs) And then a few years later, I was just kind of coming off a season. It had been a really good year of, you know, photography and videography and was trying to figure out what I should do next as far as like my career and what's the next the step, I guess, to take. And Mm -hmm. it just, I don't know, the idea of getting a bus and kind of using it as this rolling, like hunting cabin, like just kept eating at me and just decided to pull the trigger. And then I was on a, I was driving just one, you know, I drive all the time. So I was just driving and it was the fall of 2016. And it was right around the time where all of this public land legislation was being basically brought to the table right? and there was a huge threat to our access to public lands. And I thought, well, what better way to have a billboard to talk about this than a school bus? I mean, it's literally a 40 foot <laughs> way to, <laughs> yeah. to uh, get people to turn their heads yeah. a little bit and then, and learn a little bit more about public lands access and conservation within the, within North America. And yeah, so I just pretty much pulled the trigger and went for it. That's awesome. So what did it, what did you do before you kind of got into this content creation space and photography and videography? Was it like a more, I would say, was it a creative background as well? Did you come from a creative background? Did you, you know, what, what was your background beforehand? Just school. Yeah. I didn't, didn't go to school for film or photography. I was, went to North Dakota State University in Fargo as a, got my master's in business. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say I was a hunter first, creative second. So my growing up, I just was always in the outdoors, hunting and fishing, and definitely had interest in film and photography, mostly film. Um, made little snowboarding and wakeboarding movies with my buddies. Uh, mm-hmm. Tried to film some of our hunting stuff growing up, but usually I was too focused on calling ducks or you know trying to shoot yeah. before yeah. before yes. I was actually shooting a camera. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but I wanted to take it further. Like when I was in college, I still had this interest in filming. And I, I ended up getting a professional video camera when I mm-hmm. turned 21. And that's a whole other story. But I got a <laughs> Canon, yeah, Canon XH-A1S. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna start filming all the time. Well, then I got it. And I filmed for about two weeks. And then I uh, 
you know, it sat on the shelf (laughs) (laughs) until the following year, I picked up a bow and started archery hunting Mm -hmm. and ended up shooting a couple deer that first season. And I was all fired up. And then I just sat down at the computer and the phone and just started cold calling hunting shows and seeing if anybody was looking for interns. So I basically took my passion as an outdoorsman and a hunter and turned it into something more creative, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Was there a moment where you kind of sat down and you're like, man, I have a master's degree in business. How am I going to translate this into my creative business or my creative profession or, you know, was there kind of a thought there when you're like, okay, I need to take what I learned in school and try to like implement it. Or were you just like, you know, toss it, everything. You're like, I'm, yeah, I'm going I don't this think back. that thought <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was mostly like, how did I go from getting a master's in business to be now being a photographer? Yeah. And, but when I really start to dissect and look back on like how that helped me in my career, mm-hmm. it. I mean, it made a huge difference. So what I've, what I tell people usually is college teach you how to be like a person in the professional world. Grad school teaches you how to jump through hoops and, (laughs) and, and network. And so the the better you are at jumping through hoops and networking, like that's, those are the two skills like that have helped me just continue to see opportunities and make decisions to further my career. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's definitely been times where I'm like, what am I doing? Like I <laughs> went to <laughs> went to college for five years, got a master's, and now I just travel around and shoot photos and yeah. hunt and fish. And you know, it's a it's a dream. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of guys that um, you know, they're kind of either get just getting started into the space and they're kind of looking at you as as a role model to to make that happen. And so in terms of in terms of talking about business, you also have uh, public land tees. Correct. Yep. And is that, I believe, is that with your brother? Yes. Okay. So we're partners in that in public land tees. Yep. Gotcha. So, so what's kind of like the, how do you guys kind of work that is, are you kind of just the more creative side where you you design the tees and and he kind of handles the fulfillment? Like how do you guys kind of split that up? Yeah. So uh, like the original batch of designs, like was just ideas that I had. And then I've been working with graphic designers to like basically Mm -hmm. take my thoughts and put them into a computer. Yeah. Cause I can't do that. <laughs> I figure, I figure I'll, you know, pay somebody that did spend five years doing that. They right. can, they can figure right. that out. And then since that initial batch, we just kind of like talk out ideas and like, mm-hmm. Hey, what do you think about this shirt? What do you think about doing this shirt? And then we just try to look at different categories that we want to really reach the people and speak to them. Right. And then we uh, try not to take ourselves too seriously and come out with some designs that are just a little bit, I don't know, more just, a little bit more laid back of an yep. approach to the the t-shirt business. But yeah, it was just a way to go along with uh, the bus project. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, rather than just raising awareness about public lands, it's just a way for us to give back. And we, uh, we give almost 20% back to conservation organizations. So yeah, but, that's, yeah. that's great, man. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, um, it's interesting because I, I look at, I think um, one of the t-shirts that really intrigued me was how you guys went about implementing that tire one so quickly. Oh, yeah. The no hunting one, it was so cool to see. You know, I, I think a lot of people, they, like I said in the beginning, it's like you see the end product, right? But then people never see kind of like the ideation and the conceptualization of it. And it was so cool to see you kind of post about literally the physical picture of the tire with the words on it. Yep. <laughs> and then like seeing you translate it and like you said, taking it out of your head and working with your graphic designer to make this become a marketable, you know, product. Yeah. I think that's, it it was really cool to see. Well, thank you. Yeah. It was really fun to do that one. It was, uh, yeah, it was piggybacking off an idea from way back, actually Mm -hmm. a buddy of mine that I lived with in Montana. He, uh, (laughs) he had said, if there was ever a zombie apocalypse, (laughs) <laughs> like I'm definitely going to get an armored up school bus and I'm going to paint no hunting on the, <laughs> on the tire. And so was, all of a sudden I had a school bus and I was like, you know, I think painting go hunting on the, yeah. <laughs> on the tire would be better. And so, yeah, just my buddies at another creative agency, Dream okay. River Creative yep. uh, in South Dakota, they shot some photos of me. And I was like, Hey man, I want to really, I want to spray paint this tire with go hunting. Like, do you mind like capturing some images of me doing it? And he's like, Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, we, shot those and then had a uh, Lyle Hebel. He does a bunch of stuff for Sitka and a bunch mm-hmm. of brands. He works for Stone Glacier now, Yeah, but he did the drawing on that one for the the tire. 
That's awesome, man. So yeah. that kind of segments real well into, um, you know, what's your process like and what's, what's it like working with these, these brands that, you know, clearly you've built a very good relationship with. And it seems like from, from what I, I see, it seems like you, you have a lot of creative freedom when it comes to your content creation. Is that, is, is yeah. that a, a correct assumption? Yeah, for sure. I, uh, it's, I'm a big believer in long relationships with clients mm-hmm. yeah. and, just over the years, I mean, it's just to get to where I am now, it just took years of, you know, patience on both ends, really. Right. And just working together and throwing out ideas and delivering content. And then, you know, getting to the point where they just know that when I'm out in the field, I'm just going to capture stuff that kind of fits their style. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be able to use for whatever type of marketing content it needs to be, whether it's social or print or, you know, email blasts or whatever it might be. Right. Right. So yeah. how often in terms of like the creative process between, I don't know if you're working with like an art director or, or like a marketing, you know, marketing director over at these brands, what, what is it like having that interaction with them? And, you know, does that help your creativity or do you think that kind of sets your guidelines? And from there, that's where you span your projects, you know, kind of what's like your, your working process with that? Yeah. So I think it's a little bit of both. It kind of depends on what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so for some brands that I would, you know, do a little bit more like retainer style work where Mm -hmm. I just, when I'm out in the field, like I kind of have it in the back of my head, like I'm going to be shooting some images for that client. Right. That's just all up to me. I kind of just look for different shots and, and stuff that's, you know, kind of going to match the brand. And then if I see something I like, then I'll just like stop and make sure I get those, those images. But Mm -hmm. if it's a specific product shot that they're looking for, or a specific, like, kind of setting the scene. Like I, I appreciate working with people who really know what they want, like a marketing person or whatever. Like they're like, Hey, we really need a shot like this to fit. Like, this is the story we want to tell for this particular product. Mm -hmm. And, and then giving me the creative freedom to go out and capture like how I see that as they see it. I mean, I'm sure there's some, there's definitely some disconnect between what they think (laughs) I'm going to shoot and what I actually shoot. Right. Right. But just over, you know, through the course of time, you start to understand what those people are, are looking for. And some stuff is really exciting to shoot and really fun and like really inspiring. And some of it's just like, all right, I got to shoot these shots because they're a necessity. Right. (laughs) And it's not necessarily like, Oh, I did like this <laughs> shot makes me so happy. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, it, it might make you happy, but sometimes like the client's like, uh, no, we're good. Like, right. We're yeah. We're, uh, like that's, that's great. That's a really cool image, but we need one that's just like a picture of the product. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting because I think, um, as, as content creators or photographers, videographers, we tend to sometimes almost for our client work, like overkill it or overthink Mm -hmm. it because like we try to project too much of our, our wants on that image. It is that, you know, and it's it's interesting because I was just, we just had a podcast with uh, Kyle LaFerriere and it's interesting because he, he is in the hunting fishing world, but he, um, he also does like corporate and humanitarian work. Mm -hmm. Um, So he, so he was just kind of talking about the different kind of client expectations in each kind of niche of the market. Like his corporate clients have like, you know, five, five page shot itineraries and like he's got to wear a suit, but then like, you know, so it's, it's actually really interesting digging into the working process of each industry. Do you, do you think that the hunting and fishing side is a little bit more, I wouldn't say informal because it's still a professional setting, but do you think because everybody that's in this industry is, is a little bit more lax and kind of understands each other on a more personal level that it it kind of helps with that process a bit? Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, I can't, tell you how many shots and like different stuff has been talked about like over a beer or a Mm -hmm. cocktail in some setting at a show or, or, you know, at a, some event like total archery challenge where you're hanging out and shooting with buddies that are in that space. And you're like, Oh, what if we did a shot like this, this year, like what type of, you know, and like, you just talk through stuff like in a, definitely not in a formal setting where you're just kind of like flowing with it and brainstorming in the moment. But yeah, that I think, I think there's definitely times where that helps. Like yeah. it's just a little bit less stressful. Yeah. But I think it probably does hold the industry back a little bit because we, <laughs> we don't uh, like have like a specific, usually we don't have like a specific shot list, like in like 
right. okay, at this time we need this shot. At this time we need this shot. Like we're going to work through this list. Yeah. But you know, and then on the other side of that coin, like if you're too structured, yep. like say you're on a shoot and you have like whatever, 19 shots that you want to try to get that day. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, like, well, if I don't have this shot by 11 a.m., like we need to rush to this next shot. Right. And there might be something super cool that happens in between like first shot and second shot where you're moving to the location. Yep. And then you miss it because you're like, oh, I got to get on, you know, I got to get onto this one. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So in total, how many, how many brands do you kind of take on a year? Because it, it's, it's just you, correct? Yep. Okay. Yep. It's just you. So how do you kind of manage that and the workload? And is there kind of a stopping point where you're like, look, I'm, I'm good. I don't want to do anymore. Like, because I got to keep my creative, you know, freedom and I got to keep my headspace, so to speak. Yeah. I usually just say yes to way too much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, yeah. Like, you know, early on in my career, it was, I couldn't say no. Right. Like I needed right. to jump at every opportunity that right. popped up and that was a good thing. It allowed me to get to where I am, but it's kind of hurt me sometimes where I'll take on, you know, say three or four smaller clients, you know, early in the year. And then all of a sudden, like when budgets start to get approved for some bigger clients, like then they come to me and go, Hey, we want to do this. And I'm like, well, yeah, obviously I'm going to do that. But then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I got the small guys are like, Hey man, don't forget about us. And I never, I never forget about anybody, but there's definitely times where I'm like, all right, probably shouldn't have jumped on that so soon. Right. Right. (laughs) But it can be overwhelming, but it's just wake up, take it a day at a time and keep shooting. Mm-hmm. So usually it all works out in the end. Yeah. So do you think the business of photography and, and kind of what you're doing and asset creation for these companies, is that kind of where you're, you're comfortable being? Do, do you foresee yourself digging into the industry in another role or path? Like, would you come onto a brand as like a consultant? You know, I'm just kind of curious yeah, to no, see I, where you... You know, I'll probably always do some like some freelance stuff like mm-hmm. just through the course of my life, just cause I really enjoy it. And I like right. it. It allows me to spend a lot of days in the field, mm-hmm. but I definitely see myself transitioning into one thing or another. That's a little bit more, I don't know if rooted is the right word, but just gives me a little bit more opportunity to be in one place. Like plants. Yeah. In <laughs> yeah. one place. You know? yeah, like absolutely. I think like what I do is, is amazing. You know, I get to travel all sorts of cool places and meet a lot of cool people, but I have, not had a permanent residence. Like, I mean, I have an address in Montana yeah. um, that I go to every once in a while and, and my mail goes there yeah, or whatever. Mail piles like this big. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, I've been living on the road. I haven't had a permanent place since, I guess, five years in May. Holy crap. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. a long time. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that day again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But for now, like I'll just keep running it hard and then figure out, you know, keep looking for the opportunity that takes me to like the type of work that I want to do, like something that's both fulfilling and just allows me to be in one spot and still have the same type of impact that I have mm-hmm. currently in the, like the, I don't know, content sphere, I guess. Mm-hmm. So yeah. When you were kind of like digging into this industry and you started, you know, taking photos for the first time, started reaching out, were there certain individuals or certain companies or even like books or whatever that you kind of looked at and and got inspired to create, start creating your own kind of style and building your, your, your voice visually? Yeah. I mean, trying to think of like who I really looked up to in the, like in the, like early in my career, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was in, like really early on, like guys like, like Seacat creative, like they were changing the game. Like they were, mm-hmm. the, you know, they yep. just like the style and everything that they were shooting for Sitka and then everybody else was just so different than what everybody else was doing, you know, yep. Seacat and Rockhouse motion. And in the span of like three years, there was these companies that basically took the bar that was yep. set and, Olympic pole vaulted it higher, like like blew it out of like yeah. so high. Like it, there was such a discrepancy between I'm trying to think of what year it was. Like even like two thousand, you know, seven, eight, nine. Like right in there, like though, like everything you used to see that compared to where it went by like two thousand twelve. Mm-hmm. I mean, the difference was oh, earth shattering. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of that has to do with technology, right? Like mm-hmm. just the the quantum leaps in the cameras and like just the ability to then go out and shoot whatever 50,000 images in a year and not right. have to, you know, spend 
50 grand on (laughs) like processing. But yeah, just looking up to guys like that, like kind of helped me at least in my mind, start to craft like what I wanted my stuff to look like. Mm -hmm. But really like my style came down to just being out there shooting a lot and trying to work through like, you know, I would be scrolling through whatever, whether it was Facebook and Instagram was pretty early. Like I had, wasn't really looking on there, but Mm -hmm. um, YouTube stuff and trying to think we're like even the, the chive right like they oh yeah the chive like oh my all gosh. those like amazing yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, all those amazing yep. photo galleries and yep. you know they would always have like yeah the daily afternoon randomness but they'd mm-hmm. always have like these unbelievable photos and i'd be like man how did the guy do that photo yeah and a lot of times in the moment i wouldn't be able to figure out how the shot was taken but it you know as i kind of like meandered my way through the learning process like it'd be like a week later all of a sudden like been like click in my head and be like, Oh, I got it. Yep. <laughs> and then I go out and then try to replicate it yep. and then start to put it like a twist on it. Be like, Oh, what if you did this? Or what if you did this? And yeah, I think it just, your own style comes from just spending enough time in the field and shooting and shooting things and editing things the way you like, not trying to make it look like somebody else's stuff. Just right. Right. Yeah. And I imagine that you probably get blasted with like the two questions, right? It's like, what are your settings and like, yep. what, what do you shoot with? You know, it's like, yep. <laughs> you probably yep. get that so much. <laughs> oh, all the time. I mean, it's great. You know, like, yeah. and I try to respond to almost everybody. Right. And I feel bad. Sometimes I, you know, miss one for whatever, or I'll read the message and then like, I'll be like, Oh, I'll get back to that later. And then yep. like 25 messages come in and then I have no idea like where that <laughs> right. message went. But yeah, it's what were your settings? What camera do you shoot on? what is the setup you would get if you were an entry-level photographer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that one's a tough one to answer. I should probably say that. Like, I should probably, like, do a like an Instagram story or something <laughs> on, like, how hard that is for me to right. answer. People, because, stop, stop sending me these messages. Well, I mean, I, it's, it's fine. You can send me the message. Yeah. But it has, it's been seven years mm-hmm. since I've looked at entry-level equipment. Right. You know, like, since I've researched it even a little. and so. I'm always thinking like, okay, like, okay, you know, a body, you know, the, the one I have now is whatever, three grand. And in my head, I was like, oh, for what it does, like, that's a pretty affordable tool. Right. You know? right. Like, <laughs> where most people are like, you know, someone that's just getting into it, they're like, hey, I want to spend like 750 bucks. Like, what should I get? Yeah. I'm like, oh, hi. It's like, I dude, that's like, I, that's like three memory cards for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's 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 nothing against an entry level photographer. No, like you just yep. really you just have to be like, okay, what's my budget, and then pick the best camera you can with that money. Like it, honestly, the brand, the whatever, it almost doesn't matter. It's like the cameras now. It's just the difference between most of them at like every price level is very very little. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So with you know, kind of talking about like gear and all that stuff. I'm not going to ask you what gear you shoot with because you're like, oh my gosh, we just talked about this. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm a Sony. I'm, I was a Canon. I was a Canon guy forever. You know, I shot Canon little handy cams, and then I had a Canon XHA1S, and then I went to the Canon 7D and the 5D3 oh, yeah. and the 5D4, and then a year ago I made the switch to Sony. Yeah. So, do yeah. you think? What do you think technology has has done for creativity? You know, because because I think that's the thing with like Instagram and and Facebook is like, everybody's just trying to keep up with like the latest like trend, you know, or like, Oh man, like this dude got this and like, he's, you know, he's creating awesome images. And, you know, I mean, psychologically, some people kind of think like, well, maybe if I get this, this allows me to have a platform to, you know, create these images. And, and especially like you said, with, with someone that's beginning, they kind of associate gear with, you know, quality images and I think, yep. like you said, it, it takes a long time and it's taken you years to develop that style that people see in the images. Yeah. So w- what do you think technology has done to kind of, you know, the creative industry as a whole? Do you think it, it's kind of held us back? Yes, 100%. Interesting. Yeah, I think, like, I definitely find myself like, oh, I'll be, you know, like the photo's not great coming out of the camera. I'll right. be like, ah, oh, I can tweak that a little bit later. Like, you know, I like, instead of taking the time to make sure that it's basically almost perfect in camera. And I try to do that the majority of the time, but I definitely use post as a crutch sometimes when I'm like, Oh, I can 
I can fix that little bit. Like I can, I'm not too worried about that. So the, uh, like you said, the idea between or behind like a beginner thinking like, oh, if I spend $20,000 on camera gear, like I'll be a professional photographer. Mm-hmm. So I was, while you were saying that, I was thinking of like, how do you equate that to something like, how do, how do we make people like realize like what that really means or like relate that? Like what's an analogy that would work? And I, have you watched the, there's a Netflix series out there about formula one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. the one where it's like, uh, it follows the teams and stuff. Yeah. And, it's, yep. it's drive to survive. Yep. Yep. So like, while you were saying that I would, I was thinking like, okay, I really like driving. Right. Right. And I, I want to be a formula one driver. So it would be like me going out and buying a formula one car and just expecting to be a formula one driver <laughs> right. like tomorrow. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like that's kind of a similar analogy, like where, you know, people like you and me and other professional photographers, I mean, how many thousands of hours have we spent looking through that little yeah. thing behind <laughs> that black box, right. <laughs> you know, and then going back and looking at a thousand images that we hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. Absolutely. And, then, and then you're like, okay, like this image didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. The next time I shoot that type of image, I need to be at this angle or this lighting or this, whatever, like, and you start to, like, it's, it's, literally thousands of hours of trial and error right. to start to be able to look at a scene and go, I can get the photo I want. Right. You know, yeah. like without screwing it up. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's interesting because I think like visual memory too is, is really important as a photographer because it makes you work so much more efficiently, especially when you see these like different lighting situations or, or, you know, certain types of lighting where you're like, okay, I've seen this before. It's like, boom, these are the settings that will probably get me close to that. I think a lot of cameras nowadays, especially mirrorless too. And, and I don't use mirrorless and I've, I've used them. And it's, it's interesting to me because like in the EVF, it it shows you what the image is going to be, you know, and that's like awesome. It's like, oh, this is, this is so cool. Yeah. I could, I could definitely see someone getting a, you know, a mirrorless for the first time and, you know, all these, all these settings and, and the stuff that they're, they're adjusting is, is adjusting in, in real time. So yep. it kind of devoids them from, like you were saying, you worked with, with a DSLR beforehand, you know, you probably built in that muscle memory of like, you know, changing the aperture or changing the ISO like pretty quickly, yep. but with a, and I'm not saying that mirrorless is bad. It's, it's like, it could devoid someone of that. I wouldn't say experience, but of that kind of learning curve. For sure. You know, and it's probably the same way that people that, you know, shot on film feel about us, right. You know, coming into the world, like without having to ever deal with a dark room and, uh, you know, exposing film after the fact and getting like 24 shots, you know, that's what you get. Yep. So I have tried to kind of mimic that a little bit, like, Mm -hmm. and try to train myself a little bit better where I'll use like a two gigabyte card. Right or whatever, which on my new body is 22 photos. (laughs) So, (laughs) Oh man, that's great. You know, and then you're like, okay, like today, like I'm going to shoot, like that's all I get. And I'm going to attempt to get the best photos I can with those 22 photos. And then, you know, it forces you to be way more creative. Like, oh, do you you really like that shot? Or Mm -hmm. are you just shooting it to shoot a shot, like hoping it might be good later? Yep, Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because before I actually got my first digital camera like three years ago and I actually shot entirely on film up until that point. Oh, that's and, awesome. And one of the agencies <laughs> I work with, they actually forced me. They're like, dude, like the film's great, but like you, you got to get a digital camera, man. Like you're killing us. <laughs> no, because my delivery <laughs> times would just be like so much longer because, you know, I, oh, I, yeah. I literally have to print out a contact sheet. They'd have to like scan it in for them and process it. <laughs> They'd look at it and like, I have to send them like a loop. You know, people are like, what's oh, a loop? Man. It's like, oh, dude, like, you know, it's like the little magnifying <laughs> glass. And um, well, then I shouldn't have assumed that you just immediately shot on digital. So no, no, it's, it's fine. <laughs> um, people are super surprised too. It's like, but for me, when I made that switch, it, I automatically realized it was like, wow, like, you know, I'm, I'm composing less and I'm, I'm yep. getting a little lazier, you know, and, but on the, the pro side of that is like, I didn't have to like, I wouldn't say, you know, mess around with the settings, but I, I think because when I shot film, I wouldn't see that image for, you know, two, three, four weeks. So what I right. did with, was with each image, you know, each role had a number, each picture had a, had a, you know, name to it. 
And then I'd carry around this little moleskin and, you know, I'd literally write down every single setting and, you know, go back in. So now it's like we, we have this technology that allows us to work so much faster, so much more efficiently. And, but then it also, it, it, it's so tough because it can cripple you too, you know? It's, yeah. But that's kind of like my... Yeah. Sp- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's, I, I mean, that's good on you for knowing how to do all that stuff. Like I dove straight in. I mean, I had like the little mini DV tapes for yeah. my video camera, but never had to deal with a film camera. It's fun though. It's yeah. definitely fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll sure. send you one out and we can, uh, we can trade some film cameras. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have an old, uh, Pentax okay. film camera that I, that I have sitting on the shelf that I should just like shoot some stuff on. And even if I'm not the one, you know, developing the film, like it'd be fun to just mess around with. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's pretty interesting because you, when you get into the dark room and you kind of like, you start to realize where, the Photoshop tools and stuff came from. You're like, oh, that's why it's called a dodge tool because there's literally a dodge tool, you know, in in the dark right. room where you like wave it over the enlarger, and it's it's pretty interesting when you start telling people and they're like, oh wow, like you know, I've, I never never knew that. It's kind of like the the people that don't know what the save symbol is. It's like a floppy disk, and they're like, what's right. a, they're like, what's a floppy disk? <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, yeah. But so, how do you balance it? Just kind of like speaking of segmented segmenting excuse me into gear you do video as well so yep how do you kind of balance that you know how do you kind of switch modes because i wouldn't say they're drastically different but sometimes i think the thought process could mm-hmm. you know slightly change the way you look at things and change the way you work so how do you balance that especially being solo do you edit yourself too i do some editing but mm-hmm. it's mostly my own stuff and i don't edit i don't do nearly as much editing as i should i mean right. i have terabytes of footage that i need to put together <laughs> still um but that's yeah so i most of the time i'm just shooting okay i used to edit a lot more when i first got going but yeah everything i do now for clients is just like i'll shoot and then i deliver the the content and they mm-hmm. take care of it so though i look at film as okay so when i shoot a photo right mm-hmm. i'm always looking how do i tell a story everything's about storytelling right that's yep. all content is you're yep. you're filling in the gaps in people's minds so then they can make a good conclusion on what happened or what is happening right in a photo you have to tell that story in a single image or a small series of images mm-hmm. in film you are looking at the entire story ahead of time minus a few variables right but you're basically working your way backward and making sure that you get all the shots that you need to tell that story at the end of whatever the trip is or whatever this, whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. So that's how I approach filming differently than photography where photography, I'm shooting a lot more in the moment. You know, there'll probably be some stage stuff, but a lot of it is just on the fly in the moment. Whereas film, you're like, okay, in order to tell the story we want to tell today, I need to get a shot. You know, if it's on a hunt, like I need a shot of the hunter working down a ridge line, which then will segue into glassing on this knob, which then will segue into sneaking up on the animal, which then, you know, and so you start, you look at the whole story ahead of time and you're like, have a little catalog in your head, like, okay, I just need to make sure I get these shots today. So that way when the editor goes back in, they can actually put it all together into a, seamless like storyline mm-hmm. so but, in terms of the end product are you ever worried that your creativity is not going to be conveyed if you, if you don't do the editing or, or it's kind of like almost like you sending someone a raw photograph right are you ever like ah oh, man like i hope this guy does this this scene justice or this you know or, or uh, do you have a good enough relationship with your editor and, and the brand that you kind of trust them to do the the right thing yeah i think early on i probably worried about that stuff but yeah. now like you know, I'm just the guy pulling the trigger, right? Like I'm just, you know, I'm the one like capturing the scenes the best way I can see it. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to put it together. However, that they, you know, really see like the, I'm trying to, I don't know how the best way to put it. Like they, they, they know what they want in the final story and who am I to tell them, you know, any differently. I mean, I'll probably give people some notes. Like if there's a specific thing that happened, like that Mm -hmm. is really important, like to the story. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it's, it's not, yeah, I usually don't worry about that too much. <laughs> yeah, and, and I ask that because you know, kind of going back to 
you know, when the, the consumers see that final piece, like let's say, you know, you shot a, a hunt for XYZ brand and suddenly the, you know, it gets pushed out you know, and people kind of see it. It's interesting because like you said, it's like a culmination of different people, like you, you being the trigger man. And there's yep. probably a bunch of people that you're probably hunting with as well that acts as your stand-ins. And then you have the editor and the editor probably has a boss somewhere that's looking over his shoulder, you know? So it's kind of interesting to see how much work goes into even like a 30 second sizzle mm-hmm. reel or, you know, and, and I think, you know, a big portion of this podcast too is, is just to kind of bring more attention to how much work and value for our clients that we bring to these, even these short little clips, you know, because I think for a content creator or any kind of visual person, visually, you know, visual person in the industry, the biggest thing is like selling your service where it may seem like it doesn't, I wouldn't say have any value, but when you say, Hey, I'm going to charge you X amount for this many pictures, they're like, what? Like yeah. <laughs> for 20 pictures, like that's how much it costs for like, dude, for 15 seconds, like that's crazy. You know, but then I yeah. think because it's, it's, I wouldn't say lack of education. That's, that's not it, but it's, I think it's kind of like a disconnect of, they just see the product as it is and they see you in the field and it's like, oh, well, you know, how hard can that be? Like, say I'm just running around with a, you know, a Sony that I can probably buy myself and boom, you know, it's like, yep. there's this cool video here. So <laughs> have you, have you run into that at all where, where prospective clients or, or people would just kind of say, Hey, you know, like how much do you charge or like, you know, what's a video like that worth? And you tell them and they're just like, dude, no way. Like that's how much it costs to produce this video. Have you run into that at all? Oh yeah. I mean, definitely through the course of time I've run into it, but I've been pretty lucky to work with very high level clients. And Mm -hmm. so most of them understand what like the value is on all that stuff. And they are, you know, willing to pay for like what that photos or video is actually worth. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely, there's definitely times where, and I get it, you know, like, I mean, I run a small t-shirt company, like there's no way I can afford a $50,000 $50,000 commercial for right. a t-shirt company. Right. And that's a, so that's a when, lot of duck hunting uh, t-shirts. To sell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's all based on budgets and, you know, kind of where, like where that company's going. Right. And the, right. Like what their, what their end goals are. Like, I mean, if you're work, you know, maximizing like bang for buck, like I tying things together and making it work. Like I get it. Like I do that all the time. Sure. But yeah, so I've definitely run into that where people are like, wait, it costs how much for a your day rate or like how yeah. much for a series of images? And like, I can't afford that. They're like, all right, well then, you know, like, right. that's fine. You know, if you still want to work together, like let's make work, let's find a happy medium yep. where it works for both of us. And I'm usually, I try to be really good about working with the budget that companies actually have mm-hmm. and explain to them like what they could get for that dollar amount. Right. Right. And the, you know, the hard part is, and I'm sure you found like, there's no standard rate in this creative. Yeah, there really is. <laughs> and that's <laughs> tough world. too, right? That, at, and that's, that's really interesting because I feel, I wouldn't say, well, yeah, I think the market is, is a little bit saturated with a lot of content creators, but we have a, a, a client that, you know, they reached out to us to procure influencers. And it's crazy because like on this end, you have like, influencers that are asking like an astronomical amount where like it's like dude that's not even you know that's like 10 times the daily rate of like a really well-known photographer like where are you getting this this number from (laughs) and then on the one spectrum it's like hey dude like give me a t-shirt and i'll like do like three short films for you you know (laughs) like guys like come on and i think it kind of i wouldn't say it cripples us but i think it for the people actually trying to make a living off of this it it it's almost like we have to break down that barrier of, of value before we even reach the client because the clients, I wouldn't say they, they're kind of confused, but the, a lot of clients don't really know. Like you said, it's like there really is no standard rate where yep. they can project how much it's going to cost for you or me or someone else to you know, come in and, and do this project. Um, yeah. And I've, I've been seeing that increasingly so. I, I don't know if it's because more people are entering the space and and the pricing is kind of like all over the place because yeah, it, I think that's exactly it. There's yeah. just a lot of people that are coming in and they're willing to do it for free. Right? right. And I get it. Like when you're getting your toes wet, like you got to build up your portfolio and do some stuff where you're not charging all that much money, Yeah. but you don't have to do that for very long. Yeah. But the problem is that there's a lot of people who 
do it as a side gig and they're just willing to work on free product and they're, Mm -hmm. you know, like so blown away by getting a jacket or a backpack or whatever (laughs) it might be. And then that's cool. You know, like if, if you're in it for the, the free gear thing, you know, I get it, but it definitely hurts people that are trying to do it full time. At the same time, those people will never get the job that pays, you know, whatever right. you need to make for, to, to actually make a living. Like those people will always just be stuck in that bubble. Right. And then they'll get tired of, they don't need another backpack and they don't need another yeah. <laughs> rifle scope or whatever. And then, <laughs> but they really don't have this, the skill set to charge, you know, whatever it might be per day. Right. And so then a lot of times those people will just kind of fizzle out and they'll, yeah do a little work here and there, but I don't know. I think if, you know, guys like you and me, we just continue to be professional and deliver and do a good job. Like we're never going to be short of work. Absolutely. No, absolutely. It's pretty interesting because we've had guys that, you know, reach out to us and send us a portfolio and they're kind of, you know, they need work or, or they, they want to join the team. And the biggest thing for us is like, well, you know, what's kind of your goal in this industry? And they're like, Oh, well, I just want to be a professional hunting photographer. It's like, okay, that's, that's great. But like, you know, have you, I wouldn't say they haven't developed a style, but like you said, they're, they're kind of doing it as a, as a side gig. So they're just kind of shooting anything and whatever. You right. know? So like you look at their portfolio and it's like, there's like hunting and then there's like a portrait of like their mom. And then there's like, and it, so it, it's, it's interesting to see how these people progress through the, the industry. I mean, even myself, I was, kind of trying to figure that stuff out too. But I'm pretty curious to see how the the creative marketing industry grows as a whole because, you know, for all we know, heck, Instagram could be the next or the passe thing and there's like a new platform and suddenly yep. we're left in the dust, right? And then some guy right. is like, you know, we're trying to figure out how to catch up with him. Right, um, right. So, and that'll happen. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, like there will be some new platform and some new something. And, you know, I think it, again, it's it just the, all of the digital stuff is great. Like and having a, a following means very little in the mm-hmm. long run, I think. Yeah. I think it all comes down to just having good relationships with the people you work with and you continue to have a good relationship. You're just going to continue to work. Absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I was talking to uh, an influencer at a trade show and he kind of made a comment to me and he's like, Hey, yeah, like, you know, for the amount of work that you guys do, you guys don't have that many followers. And I kind of looked at him and was like, well, followers don't pay the bills, you know, like the brands do, you know? And he's just like, (laughs) it's like, well, you know, I have X amount of followers and like, you know, I'm for some reason, like I'm trying to be a a professional influencer and like, you know, I'm trying to do this for a living and maybe, maybe Instagram or that platform does kind of cripple that person from seeing like, Hey, that's not how you, you professionally go to business. You know, yeah. I think it, it does kind of hurt people yeah. in the long run. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm trying to say this nicely. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I have been very fortunate, like, with the bus project and everything that I've done over the last few years. Like, mm-hmm. the, you know, I have a moderately decent following on Instagram mm-hmm. that needs to be fed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yep. and you just keep growing that, and that's great. And, but I look at it, I, I'm not trying to be, a professional influencer right. and that's air quotes. I'm assuming people won't see this. They'll just listen <laughs> yeah, to it. Yeah. So, they'll just listen to it. <laughs> yeah. So there's a big air quotes influencer, you know, and I know I do have influence on people like over, you know, photography stuff and talking about conservation and, and that's, sure. that's amazing. And I, I'm assuming that people definitely follow along with which, what gear I'm using. Mm-hmm. I mean, I spend a lot of days in the field and I, ha- I'm a total gear nerd and so I love talking about gear and what gear works and what gear doesn't and why I use what and, and the brands that I work with. Mm-hmm. But what people need to understand is you have to deliver value to the brand, yep. right? Like, you know, like people are like, how do I get sponsored? How do I get this? People don't just sponsor you. Because the company isn't just like, oh, hey, you seem like a nice guy. Like, yeah. here's, here's money. Just go yeah. hunt. It's, it's, you have to create value for the company. Like, you need to look at it like, what am I doing for that brand that I want to work with? Right. You know, whether it's a series of blog posts or, you know, a YouTube blogger and you're constantly talking about different pieces of gear or if it's you're spending 
300 days a year in the field and you can actually talk to what like that sleeping bag does or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like you need to, yeah, you need to offer something up. It's not just what can that company do for you. Right. Right. So I think that's the difference between people who continue to move forward and people who just are kind of there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting because I think a lot of, there's this kind of social image that, you know, and I'm not absolutely not knocking on influencers because I, I think that there are very legitimate influencers such as yourself absolutely. that, that, you know, people listen to religiously because they know that there is value in listening to them. And it's not yes. like, like, Hey guys, like I tagged this like random company that I'm suddenly working with because they sent me like, you know, I don't know, a box of whatever, you know, and right. it's like, what? Okay. Like, you know, yeah, just kind of sit over. I'm slightly off brand, but <laughs> right. And, and, um, it, it's, it's interesting because I think the world of sponsorships and, you know, like paid media versus earned media is kind of molding in dangerously into one. Right. Yep. Because before it was like super separate, like earned paid media, very separate. But now it's like, man, I can't really tell what is truly earned and what is like paid. And I think Instagram yep. kind of tried to stemmy that with like, oh, you got to put like paid partnership on the top. But yep. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Not, not a lot of people do that. Yeah. And even, you know, back before I was in this, this industry, I was an M MMA fighter and a lot of fighters, they would just like, they would walk out in shorts in their shorts and there's just like random ads on their shorts. Like I had one guy with like a vacuum cleaner, like ad and like <laughs> one dude had like, you know, Persian rugs. And it's like, man, you know, what is that kind of saying about you if you have all these random, you know, <laughs> brands that you're kind of just like reaching out to? And I, I think yeah. I kind of see that within this industry as well, where you're kind of looking at an influencer's profile and it's like 12 different random brands that are totally drastic from each other in ethos as well as brand image. And you're kind of thinking like, hmm, you know, is this someone that I truly want to like listen to as an influencer, but right. It's no, and it's, yeah, I think it, I think you're right. It's really hard to differentiate between, you know, which people are worth listening to and which people aren't. But I do think that the, you know, the digital platforms have been overall fairly positive oh, absolutely. for like, absolutely. Yeah, like especially for the hunting community. Mm -hmm. um, and the, I mean, really for photography, mm -hmm. I mean, just, as a way for people to get their work out there more, but yep. you know, it's, it doesn't matter. Like you take a sample of any hundred people, there's always going to be a couple crazies. Oh yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's just statistically bound to happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I think like you said, technology has done kind of wonders for the, the hunting industry and, and a big kind of example of that is TV, the, the TV era versus now, you know, like, yep. like how, TV shows that were produced for hunting was, was shot back then versus, you know, how short films and short form content is shot now. It's, it's drastically different, but the, yep. the same industry. And like you said yep. before, it was like only within the span of a couple of years. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, even just talking about, you know, Seacat Creative, that one film they did, uh, Searching for West, that yep. was back in, you know, like you said, 2013 or 12 or whatever, you know. Yep. And I actually just went back and looked at it. I'm like, man. That was like five years ago and it's still good. You know, like it's, right. it's like they could release it today and it, it would still, yep. you know, be almost like time proof. Yeah. And that kind of, it, it's just kind of my, it's mind boggling what that stuff has done for the hunting industry in, in terms of its portrayal and even like media outlets like Modern Huntsman, right? Like that's another mm -hmm. platform that's totally changing for the better the hunting industry. And I, I'm hoping that it can only get better from here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. One could hope. I mean, as long as we, yeah, I mean, that's a whole, that's a rabbit hole we could go down for a oh, long yeah, time, absolutely. but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just hoping that, you know, the, the majority of people are portraying, you know, like the lifestyle of hunting and fishing and conservation, like in a positive light. Mm -hmm. And as long as there's more positive than negative, like, you know, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to keep you too long, but you know, if let's say you kind of met someone at a trade show or, or even you met a, a younger Sam, you know, what would you kind of tell that person about this, the, the industry of, of being a content creator and being a creative, you know, what would you tell that person? And would you kind of sit them down and say, Hey, you know, like, don't do this. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like Sam, don't buy that bus, buddy. Don't buy no. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I think I would definitely say buy the bus. Like, uh, <laughs> I think, 
you know, I, a lot of times, you know, like you said, like people, I get asked the question all the time, like, you know, what do I, what camera should I get? How do I get into the industry whatever? And I'm, I'm usually fairly brutally honest with people about what it really takes to, I don't know, move forward, I guess, and really be part of it. And not everybody has the same story, right? Like it's, you know, some people just dive right into it. It works out right away. But I was beyond broke for like two and a half years and finally caught a break and moved to Alaska and worked for a nationally televised show, which was, you know, had a good day rate. And I worked seven days a week and was able to pay off my, some debt and put some money in the bank and then kind of move forward from there. But it did not come without like just working my ass off for nothing for, <laughs> for quite a while. I think just the best piece of advice is just to be patient, keep moving forward. It's never, it's, it'll always be hard, but the sooner you realize that happiness comes from the struggle, the, the sooner you'll be able to embrace that and just know like, okay, like this is going to be hard for a while, but at the end, like the result is going to be so much better than if it was just given to me. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's awesome, man. And I'm sure you have a lot of those guys out there that are looking to you and, and hopefully they hear this and they, you know, like you said, that message kind of gets through them and, and you make a positive impact like you you always have been so again with any luck that's the, that's the goal <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah no you know again thanks so much for getting on the show i know you're you're scrambling around trying to get stuff ready and you know we're obviously going to be following your your uh, adventures and um you know hopefully we get to meet again soon and share a beer and just just chat and go down a couple more rabbit holes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show and looking forward to listening to this as it moves forward. Awesome. Thanks, Sam. Thanks again for joining on today's episode of the Burning Creative Podcast. Don't forget to show us some love by sharing, subscribing, and following along on our website, theburningcreative.com. Until next time, keep the fire burning.